Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, it's Josh. Hi, and it's Joe. And you're about to listen to another great episode of the movies that made me. Uh, just want to give you a heads up. Many of the movies. Occasionally, we'll talk about something that's pretty obscure and has never come out on video. Most of the movies we talk about on the show are available at MoviesUnlimited.com, which is the movie collector's website. Yeah, don't waste your time streaming or looking for your favorites on TV. You can own them. Physical media, babies. Yes, go to the TrailersFromHell.com website, click the Movies Unlimited banner on the website, and you can buy your favorites from them or go right to MoviesUnlimited.com. Shipping is always free on orders over $50. Movies, movies, movies. Well, cheery beginning. Um, <laughs> well, but let's congratulate him on his move. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, Leon, I'll, I, I, before, before we get into that, even I want to say there, there's at least one thing we have in common, aside from the fact that we're both starting to enjoy being shut-ins. Um, yeah. You and I use the same DP on our first films. Uh, David, David Mullen shot my first movie. David uh, Mullen. Directed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. He Amazing shot. Guy. He taught me so much. Yeah. He taught me so much uh, about anamorphic. Uh, and and uh, and was very patient with me. Uh, I found some old footage of us recently and behind the scenes in Shadow Boxer, and I am I'm shadow boxed crazy, and he's so zen. Yes, he's so calm and he's so assured, and he's just on top of everything. And yeah, I, same thing. It's just like I, I I could not have made my first film if if he hadn't been there, and he was just this. I agree. This, presence you know master um yeah yeah and we we were uh we shot in um 24p which he was a big uh, supporter of very early yeah i remember resisting it because back then you know it all looked like vhs pretty much and he took me to a <laughs> screening of that uh, polish brothers movie he shot this movie opens up its widescreen and it looks like 35 and i'm just sitting there going oh fuck it film's dead <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it was gorgeous yeah but, uh, but anyway, so i thrilled to be here, though. We're here with uh, Lee Daniels, whose um, uh, new film, um, United States versus Billie Holiday, is uh, just out on Hulu. Uh, highly recommended. Um, in some incredible performances. It's a story, if you don't know, you should. Um, you've, you've done an incredible job of, uh, of telling it. I think um, it's your best picture. Uh, oh, wow. Thank you, sir. Seriously. And, and, Thank and, you very and much. Andra. I mean, you might as well just call it a star is born. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. She is amazing. Yeah, that was, that was a, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No, it's, it's, it's great. And it's good to see like more and more and more, um, you know, we're, we're still breaking away from this stuff, but it's nice to see it happening. You know, I still sit, we're still in that transition period enough where I'm still waiting for like, you know, maybe for the Garrett Hedlund character to redeem himself or, you know, for, for some, some way to get around to going like, see, some white people are good. And it's like, no, here's the story. The I FBI were the Har- villains. Harry Anslinger's own oh, series. Man. It'd, be yeah. like, it'd be like the yeah, FBI man. and Ephraim Zimbalist, you know. Exactly. But, but it's like, we're still in that period a little bit where like, you know, there's that, it just seems like people still think you have to tell the story through that guy's point of view, or you have to have the sort of sympathetic FBI guy or something. Thing and it's just um, well, you don't. Yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> nice. It's nice to be. Uh, I feel like we're almost done with that period. So, uh, but yeah. fantastic film, man. Really, thank you, um, thank you yeah, very much. Very enjoy. And and you know, I'd always heard. I'm, is there actual footage around of her doing uh, that incredible performance of Strange Fruit? Because I had heard about it, where yeah, you know, she just stood there and then it all went black. But you did mm-hmm. such an amazing job of of recreating that. It's um, ah, a fantastic movie. Um, thank you. Thank you. And very uh, emotional. Yeah. Journey for me from beginning oh, to sure. end. I'm sure. Was it something you were trying to get done for a long time or something that I what? Trying to get done for a very long time. It was something that I was trying to get done for, for three years. Hmm. I, you know, I had, I went into uh, television land after the Butler right. and, uh, and I didn't know that it was going to be such a suck because it just took all of everything out of you. I didn't, know uh that it 
It was like feeding the beast, you know, feeding the monster with the story, you know. And uh, so when this, and I kept wanting to go back to movies. So when they canceled both of the shows, I was really, I said, ah, let me go back. And it gives me an opportunity uh, to come up and, and go back and do a movie. So I was, I was really, really happy. I didn't know that it had been that long uh, after, uh, I didn't know that it had been, all, it almost was 10 years since I had not done a film. Hmm. That crazy? No, that happens when you're doing TV. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, it's a, it's a, it, you get in a cycle, you know, you get into this place where you just, it, it, it's all consuming doing, uh, doing television. It literally is all yes. consuming. It's 24 And uh, ain't it? It's just, a, so anyway, I was really happy when, when the story came to me, um, Joe Roth and Kirschenbaum uh, gave me this uh, incredible script that was written by a, uh, Susan Laurie Parks and Mark Bombeck. I don't know whether you know Mark, but he did a Planet of the Apes, wrote Planet of the Apes. Uh, he uh, sort of over, was overseeing this, helping SLP with the script. Uh, I couldn't believe the story. Like I didn't even, didn't even comprehend because the, the, it, the, the story that I knew was Lady Sings the Blues, which inspired me to become a filmmaker. I didn't know that... Uh, that this story was real, that this story that it could actually be. It's crazy. It's crazy that the government was taking her down for some stupid song. I mean, not stupid, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. that they would no. take you down for a yeah. song. Yeah. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? Yeah. You know, yeah. that you're going to come for this woman who, and then, and that she was really <clears throat> a civil rights leader before the words civil rights even made sense to us. What that, what did that all mean? And, uh, and that, you know, her, past yeah yeah explained why it was that she had the courage to 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 sing the song when you really study her work as a singer um you know she was so present and none of her songs were ever sung the same and uh and so she lived in the truth so you know when she discovered the the song um She had to, she had, it just, it's, it's, it's ugly. It's a song is ugly, vile. The words are disgusting. And it just like, you know, but yet she, it, you just sort of spellbound by it all. Yeah. So yeah, I had to tell the story. Yeah, no, I can see what, cause you know, I'm sure you, we all struggle though. We with, you know, that, that constant, uh, well, the work we do matters. It has an effect on the world. And then I don't know, maybe this is just me. And then you're like, ah, just, this, that's just, I'm, I'm, it's bullshit. It doesn't matter. It's all trivial. And you're like, I don't know where, where's the truth. And then the FBI tries to destroy a woman's life for singing a song. And you're like, yeah, actually, I think the work does have an impact. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, for sure. Uh, so, um, but yeah, well, congratulations. It's, it's wonderful. And I uh, hope people see it. And um, uh, we've done a terrible thing here because we've talked way too much about your work and we never do that on this show. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> no, oh, you don't? Oh, no, wow. no, no, Thank no, you. no, no. I mean, but we're, we're, you know, we want to talk about the oh, movies yeah. that inspired you, not the, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, and you started, you meant, do you want to start with uh, the, the one you mentioned? Because uh, I am excited. Clear. So, uh, Lady Sings the Blues is the first yeah. one. Lady Sings the Blues. Uh, I'd never seen uh, black people. Um, I'd never seen black people on screen before on the big screen. I was a, uh, I was 13 and my, my grandfather managed a uh, theater in Philadelphia and I was theater. 13. I, what? I'm from Philadelphia. Joe spent a lot of time in Philly. What theater? Are you from Philly? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm from, I'm from West Philly. Where are you from? I'm from West Philly. Where was Shut that? up. The, the Locust Theater off of Market Street. Oh, the Locust. I used to go to Locust all the time. Oh, wow. oh yes. So I'm, my nice, grandfather was a nice manager theater, theater, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. It's one of those the theaters theater, exactly. where it's it's one of those theaters where it's a, the, uh, the, the, it's wider than it is deep. So when you've got a big screen, yes. it makes it seem. Oh like my bigger. god! I'm dealing with gangsters here. I mean, y'all are some gangsters <laughs> to even know. I don't remember the theater, guys. I just remember uh, the experience. Is it still around? No. Oh, you know what's bizarre about there's hardly any of those left. I mean, I I grew up there. I grew up in West Philly. Um, uh, where did, where in West Philly did you grow up? Halton Village, thirty fourth and Hamilton. No way. One, one block from move. Yeah. Oh my God. I got a story about that too. I got a <laughs> great story about that, but I'm going to tell you about that later on. As okay. I, well, uh, well, well, let me, I got to tell you about move. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of the reason I'm going to backtrack to Billy holiday. I had to understand Trevante's character. You know, he takes Billy down and I had to feel for him 
I had to really feel for him. And um, it wasn't what I connected to was that my dad was a cop. He was killed in the line of duty. And he, the only, he was six foot four. He sparred with Muhammad Ali. He was in fact Muhammad Ali's bodyguard when Muhammad Ali was in, in Philadelphia. He wow. cried. He cried when, when he came home one day after the move experience. So something happened in him when Rizzo, when Rizzo was uh, in office, not as the mayor, but as the, uh, as the uh, police commissioner. Police, yeah. And he cried and I understood who Jimmy was. It wasn't until I, I, I had to tap back into my dad's feelings of whatever happened that he took to his grave, whatever happened up there would move. Um, I used that for Jimmy. So uh, wow. that was, that was, anyway, that was helpful. But anyway, uh, Locust Theater. Oh, even the theater. Well, here's the thing. That, that entire part of downtown, because um, yeah, I grew up in West Philly and I would go to movies downtown and there were how many, Joe? 20 great movie oh, theaters? So many. It was like all within walking Street. distance. They're all gone now. There isn't a single movie wow. theater in Center City, Philadelphia. It's insane. Yeah, there has to be, isn't there? No. Nope. No. Not in Rittenhouse? Nope. Those are gone. So where does one see the movies at? Like uh, down, you go down, uh, you go down by the waterfront. There's a big complex. There are ones in the wow. suburbs. Um, wow! You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine. I think the no, rent is still the, there. The urban experience does not include movies anymore. Not until which, um, which is really hard to imagine because I went to I went to school there at college, and uh, I I just I I loved the fact that there were so many theaters, and they were and there were revival theaters, and there was you know grindhouses. I mean, there was just so many theaters to see movies at that I spent all my money on instead of the money I was supposed to be spending on art supply. Uh, but I, I turned out to be a movie director, so it was worth it. <laughs> and wait, before, I really apologize. I'm just looking at where, yeah. where in West Philly were you, uh, did you grow up? I grew up two places. 59th and Market was where I was sort of born. And then I, we moved to an all nice white neighborhood. We thought it was a nice white neighborhood. <laughs> we moved to Winfield. Oh, okay. Uh, 57th and uh, we were probably the first black people on the block yeah and then and, yeah 57th and windale avenue oh wow that's old home but, week uh, here <laughs> yeah it is anyway, um, so you're you're in the you're in the locust theater and you're i'm 13 i'm down at locust theater my grandfather's a manager it just uh it was an incredible experience and i'd never seen black people kiss before on screen i'd never seen them be even though even though um uh was it uh, was that thing with Harry Belafonte and uh, Dorothy Dandridge? That movie existed. Island in the Sun. Nope. One more. Uh, you know the the opera musical. Um, oh, Carmen Jones. Carmen Jones. Jones. Even though that had existed, I didn't. I don't remember that as a kid. I remember later on, as I grew up, uh, that that was a film. But um, I saw it on TV. But my first experience was 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 Lady Sings the Blues. The fashion of Bob Mackie what he did to Diana Ross, who was at the pinnacle of her beauty. God, yeah. And, uh, and then, and then Billy D Williams and the humor of Richard Pryor and the, uh, just the urban community of uh, all the, the, uh, everything, music, everything. But that was not in fact, uh, the story of, uh, of, of Billy holiday, but that move. And then, you know, Barry Gordy, who produced it, had that two album set where that, you know, at the, those times we didn't have reruns and we didn't know we were going to even get it for another 10 years. Barry had that uh, Motown put out that double album record where you could actually hear the words and the songs from uh, from the movie that has a uh, that has an indelible um, print in my head uh, of, of filmmaking. I wanted I, that started me out to be a filmmaker. That movie. Really? Wow. I mean, consciously, like at that time or just over time, like were you sitting there 13 years old going, I want to do that. Right. <laughs> well, I think the, the movie even before that was Claudine. Mm. That that was that was the one that I saw so much of myself. My mom was a was very stunning. She reminded me of Diane Carroll, and she had five kids. My dad had died, uh, and so when I saw that movie, I it was my mom all over again. And we she used to take, bring home men like James Earl Jones. We chase them out of the house, <laughs> and we were just <laughs> my poor mom. She couldn't get it, couldn't catch a break, and uh, and it just it, and we all went together again to the Locust Theater to see that as a family experience and it uh but that didn't mean want to make me want to that that was a, an emotional movie for me uh because right. it was so much of my family in the urban world and uh a single a beautiful single mother alone raising those kids uh that really and curtis mayfield's incredible 
score that Gladys Knight sang that song. Yeah. Whoa, baby. You know, that was just like, they, they, they just, that's maybe that stuck in me too, because I think that music was really a part both those both of those films were musicals and i think that they really there was a black experience uh, and they really they were embedded in me so i would have to say that claudine was as as powerful uh as uh, lady sings the blues but, but but really i can say that lady sings the blues is more um because claudine is such a kind of human film and lady sings mm -hmm. the blues is just this big explosive like hollywood thing that you know it's a movie you know what i mean yeah I can, I can see sort of having that reaction there um that's amazing. Have you have you watched Claudine recently or? I do. Because uh, it just came out on Criterion. Oh, did it? Yeah, which uh, I I connected. I saw it when it came out. I guess I was a child and just. I have the recently. DVD. I, I I watch it. I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen it. I, it their event. It's an event where my son, who I just who's twenty five, who grew up completely the opposite of that experience. You know, he it, it's 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 he gets emotional because I become emotional watching the film and he sees it through my eyes and uh and he connects to it he says dad you really did grow up like that i said shut up just shut up shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's amazing it was such an interesting time too and and uh i mean the thing that i, I got watching it because obviously you know i had it, my, my reaction to it as, as a child would be different than yours i wasn't seeing myself you know portrayed but it was it was a world i knew and um um you know, it it seemed like just real, and then watching it recently, it's it's so interesting how far we've come. Like it, that was a a white director who'd done a lot of TV and was, I think, fairly old at that point, and two white writers trying to sort of approximate this thing, and and um, in a lot of ways, sort of opening the door for black filmmakers to tell their own stories, right? And, um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating slice of an era, I think. Uh, really it's beautiful, really, really, really stunning. And they're so good at it. Oh my god! Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Diane Carroll, like it was, you know, we had seen her on television playing Julia, which was just stunning. She was beautiful, and so she, you know, for her to strip out of her makeup and for her hair to be a little frizzy, a little Afro yeah. frizzy, was a little unusual for the pulled back, elegant woman that we so knew. Yeah, you know, from 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 uh, the nurse that she played in Julia. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, Ain't it I, nice to be talking to. I love talking to old heads because y'all old <laughs> motherfuckers, y'all know, okay? <laughs> Philly people too. That's right. That's right. No, the thing that fascinated me too, because there's this whole thing. I, I'm, I'm going to explain this to you, Lee. Um, <laughs> but there's a whole thing about sort of you know sexuality uh, with African Americans in movies, where it's um, you know for so long it was sort of absent, or you know the black character. There's always a black best friend who's completely sexless. You know, and one of the things, and probably at, as like a nine-year-old watching Claudine, I was just cringing, you know, my hands over my eyes during that stuff. But watching as an adult, it's like, oh my God, those like James Earl Jones, and they 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 have yeah. sex in that movie, and it's it's like it's happy yeah. sex, you know. It's yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, um, but it, and that's another thing that's sort of been interesting to see change over time that you have very much helped, you know, uh, pave the way on is. Thank you. Uh, you know, hey, uh, but it was it was movies like that that really you know that really stuck with me. I, I just realized as you were talking, I'm going to go off book here and, and give you another one that uh, that really uh, that's not on this list, but that I really and I don't know whether it's politically correct. And neither I can be. I don't know whether I'll be. What's the word that they canceled? Because I like this movie. Well, I'm gonna say is, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be the first guest to call us a day later and go, could you cut the part where I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got to tell you, I was affected by a film called Mandingo. Oh, sure. oh, yeah. oh, wow. I thought that that movie, it rocked. It spun my head around. And um, and now I watch it. And I'm like, whoa. Like, I, you know, it's a it's a very, very interesting sort of. Uh, uh what is it it's debauchery <laughs> is what it is it's just debauchery it's you leave your and a, i had a poster of it in my house and i think i'm going to finally take down because i just think it's so <laughs> offensive i you know i did i i really looked at it as a, like this is something that to really like just jaw dropping with ken norton and perry king and and james mason like, james mason 
who rubs his feet on a little black boy. Uh, yes. It is the oh, mo- to get his rheumatism pain. To get his pain. Get rid pain of his rheumatism. Yeah. Can yes. I tell you something? It is the most offensive. I have, it's jaw dropping at its offensiveness. Yeah. And you're not even talking about the sequel. Oh, which is which, I, which is not even that good. Was it yeah. drum that was a drum? Yeah. yeah, forget no. about it. Just, no, it's it's not. It's Don't not even as, go there. It's not, not as good, but it is offensive. <laughs> Brent, I'd love to because I remember when that came out too. That was like the movie that was. What year? When did it come out? Seventy-five. So it was around and, the same time as the rest of these films. Yeah, yeah. Same same year as Lady sure I saw. I'm sure I saw this at the at the Locust Theater too. I'm, I'm sure I, I saw it. It was I, I saw it at the Milgram on Market Street, I believe, which uh, was a giant, giant Big place. theater. And yeah, I mean, it, it uh, it's funny because I, I hear what you're saying. Like at the time, you'd be like, oh, my God, that's good. But you'd sort of enjoy it. And now you look at it. You can't believe. What have I just witnessed at the audacity <laughs> of that is on another level? I mean, but I, I it affected me. I mean, I don't know. You know, it, it, it changed my view of. Uh, it certainly made me want to tell cinema because you know it it, it was uh it was disturbing it was uh i was left speechless well it only you know it I felt like I, I watched it it's one of those films yeah, i saw it at the time then i saw it again a couple of years ago and it's just it feels pornographic in the sense of it does feel pornographic doesn't it, it? yeah it's just it's it's mm-hmm. kind of irredeemable and on the one hand are they <laughs> Do they think they're making a sort of powerful statement against racism and slavery, or are they just reveling in it? And it's like, it, it's almost like they're using the subject matter as a license to just do this awful stuff. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and his I mean, death and everything is just like, well, like I don't even know whether I should be talking about it, but I do have to say <laughs> it definitely affected me. It, it, it upset me. It, it was disturbing, yeah. and it made me feel a certain way. Um, and I'm gonna go off copy again and say something else that I did made me start thinking about something else that I saw in college, was, which is, was Caliglia. I oh. can't believe we're talking about this. I mean, I can't believe it. It's like, where, where are we going? Well, you know, you're, going from, you're going from porn to porn. Yeah, from porn to porn. You know, we've never <laughs> where done- Where are we going with this? We've never done a whole show about porn. <laughs> Lee Daniels' favorite porn films. Awesome. I mean, I don't, I don't even know it was porn. I mean, because at that time I didn't really, I think when it came out, I didn't, I'd never seen porn. I think it was probably, I think it was, it had to be my first porn because it's, if it's porn, but I'm not sure what it was. Oh, I know. Cool. Cool. like eighty, Joe, seventy-nine. Yeah, but it's but it has Peter O'Toole in it. I mean, it's, it's not, you don't expect and, that it's going to be and, a porn and, movie. And and Helen Mirren. And Helen yes. Mirren, who was quite a yeah. looker in the day. And I. And not bad for my movie Shadowboxer too. When I directed I her in Shadowboxer, yes. if you haven't seen that film from Philadelphia, see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And then run out, then turn that shit off real quick. <laughs> uh, no, that's a fun one. The um, but isn't the the Kalito was like didn't it get it shut down and then Bob Gucci and he bought it and then reshot a bunch of because I, I always he felt just, like he added stuff because the, added the, stuff. The, the actors then later discovered that they were in a picture that had porn in it and they they were like, What? Yeah. Wait, what? I, that wasn't there when I did it. Like, am I imagine John really? Gilgood and Helen Maring going to the, the premiere of Caligula? <laughs> <laughs> Caligula! Wait a minute. <laughs> oh my God. Guys, uh, I don't know whether this is good. My publicists are going to like this one. I'm going off the deep end, kids. Too late. We've got it on record. It's over. It's okay. Tell him, tell him Gore Vidal wrote it. That's right. Yes, Gore Vidal. Did, yes, yeah. did. did Gore yeah. Vidal write that? Yeah. Well, yes, of course. He wrote the he wrote, first. He wrote the pre-porn version. Yeah. Wow. The wow, respectable wow. version, I guess. But yeah, um, let's let's hear. Why don't we go back to respectable movies then? If that's, yeah, you know. Gloria. I love Gloria. <laughs> oh. Gloria, I love John Cassavetes' work in Gloria. And it, it's, a lot of that is part of the fabric of, of my filmmaking. I love the rawness of all of his work. But I think that the, the, the I think that the, I think the most, uh, the, the film that I stayed engaged with is the beginning, middle, and a strong end is, is, uh, is uh, Jenna in, uh, something magical about her there's something boss about her there's something the kid the relationship between the daughter and the the son and the the son and her and her on the run and the grit and the honesty and the performance and the just everything at the new york of it all it just everything it just lives in me and i and uh, i try to replicate that authenticity in most of my work too so that sort of sticks to me in a in a real way 
It's because uh, there's something, there's some actors who look out of place with a gun in their hands. And I'm sure this is a sexist thing to say. I'm, I'm an older gentleman. So it's, a, but it, you I get feel so like many passes from me. <laughs> you get passes. From- but, but it, it's, there are more women in, to me who like, don't look quite right with a gun in their hand. You sort of don't yeah. quite believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh my God, the first time you see General and holding like a 45 in her hand or whatever that is, you're like, yeah, that, that makes sense. She, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, 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 yes. It's great. Yeah. Um, just everything about uh, his work. And then I, I was fascinated to find out they were married and that their other work together. It, it took me down the rabbit hole of other Cassavetti's work and understanding the, uh, just the idea of uh, being a fly on the wall, that sort of documentary sort of feel not so much with this one but for all of his work but but for this i think this is the most commercial of yeah of, i think yes. of his work yeah yeah it's a, it's almost a, it is a genre film i guess so it's kind of do you mm-hmm. do you um when when you're when you're directing do you do like improv on the set at all or is it yes yep i do i, I we do a pass on the script as is written and then i say okay guys i don't know whether these words are working what would you say as you now know these characters, come on, let's stick to the story. Let's let's keep this going. And then, what would you say? And so we do drives the writer and the producers crazy sometimes. But it, uh, it, it I think that that uh, improvisational sort of stuff uh, makes it makes it magic. I think it keeps the magic. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think because at a certain point you're you're um, um, I mean, I've had that experience and I love it where you know you uh, you hand the movie off you hand the parts off to actors and mm-hmm. it's absolutely their job to know that character better than anybody else on the set so it's mm-hmm. it's really exciting when you kind of let them loose to to express that in those ways it's mm-hmm. um, I, yeah I love it I love I love I think that. it's a powerful thing I think that you that's when you see the you see the truth and. For me, that's about it's 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 about really. Uh, I mean, I, I mean that's that's the key to the work that I do, at least. The Exorcist. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a child when you why. saw it, or no? He saw it in Philadelphia. <laughs> I did. It's, it's nineteen seventy-three. <laughs> so I, I see. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I just, I just. Uh, they don't make movies like that anymore, guys. Sorry. I just <laughs> Listen, they didn't make movies like I'm that. I'm not then. sure they ever did. Yeah. <laughs> I. I mean, how can they? I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I just thought was I was ter- it, it elicited so many of my uh, I was terrified, and uh, I, and to this day, I still want I want to do a horror movie now. I don't think we've seen a black horror movie. I think Get Out is more of a satirical statement on where we are as a political statement, really, about where we are in America. But I don't think that we've seen a horror movie where that you are like you know you're running out the movie with your hair on fire, uh, like, and I think a black horror movie is just would just you know, I don't know. I, 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 black woman fighting the devil. I mean, I mean, I just like I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that one. Bob, yeah. you need to do that. Well, there was a, there was Abby. You know, the the uh, <laughs> Abby. There was that was there. There was, he there. Wants to make, he there a, was Abby. He yeah. wants to make a good one, Joe. That's what well. No, I didn't. It's not a particularly good movie, but I'm just saying it, it's it's. There. Well, there was also what was that other one? There was a there was a Blackula. Blackula. Right. Yeah. And and the sequel, Scream, Blackula, Scream. <laughs> was there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same guy. No. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, talked about that on a recent show. I mean, one of the, I, I, um, uh, William Marshall, who played Blackula. William Marshall, yeah, man. Who was also the I king of cartoons. Him. But um, yeah, I, I got to talk to him once briefly, and it's like he, because uh, he, he's, he's why we're talking about Blackula. You know, his performance is so great. It's like nobody told him he's in this low budget movie that, you know, and, um, you know, who else was going to let some, you know, let, let a black actor basically do Shakespeare on film. And that's what he does. I knew his wife. Well, Oh really? I knew his wife. They lived in Crenshaw. They lived off of Crenshaw and Pico, uh, and and here in LA. Ah, Yeah. He was, he was amazing. I never met him. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he just, he had that presence, you know, and that voice, oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that incredible voice. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's next? What do you got? Uh, uh, next. Uh, this is a fun show. <laughs> this is a really fun show. I mean, I don't know whether I, I mean, you know, I don't. I, I, I'm in trouble, I'm sure, with a couple of these, but uh, y'all got me. Y'all got me just randomly thinking. About our, our our audience is very patient and, and very understanding. <laughs> I I love cabarets. Was one of my favorite films of all time. Um, I think that uh, Bob Fosse is one of my favorite directors of all times. Mm. Not Lenny. I didn't like Lenny so much, but um, but I think that uh, cabaret is storytelling is just on par with none other that the, the way he did that uh he came in and out and and the story itself was magnificent even though she, and i don't think she deserved to win over uh, and she was great but i don't think she deserved to win over diana ross that year it was uh, it was it was cicely tyson for sounder she for uh for that and diana ross for uh, cicely tyson for sounder um liza minnelli for cabaret diana ross for um Lady Sings the Blues. I want to know who the others were. I don't know who the others were. Those are the three. Can somebody Google that? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to look them up. She won over Diana, which was really disturbing. It was my first time watching the Academy Awards mm. um, because I remember the movies vividly and I felt that there was an injustice there. But, uh, but the filmmaking was exquisite. And uh, the, the, the musical numbers, all of that stuff, if you really study my work, little bits of that is there. His understanding of women you know, the way he shot women were really interesting. The realness of his, how he grew up, you know, and, 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 and you know, in the um, strip joints and, and, and this macabre way of shooting people um, in a real but beautiful way uh, sticks with me. I, I love Bob Fosse and I love, I love, uh, I love Cabaret. Mm. So you've seen all that jazz? love all that jazz but i had to fight over which one was better and i think cabaret's a better <laughs> made film so i do love all that jazz quite a bit but i like the story of all that jazz and i like him i just felt that uh i felt that i think cabaret was the one what do y'all think well cabaret is it's like the second or third version of that story uh, which was originally wasn't even a musical um, what was it it's called I, I am a camera by um who was it uh christopher isherwood, christopher isherwood yeah and uh and he, was, how was that film it was filmed with Julie Harris in the 50s. Um, and that was before it was turned into a musical. How was it? It's an interesting movie. It's good, but it's not, it's not as good as Cabaret. Uh-huh. Here, by the way, it was uh, Liza Minnelli for Cabaret, Diana Ross, Lady Sings of Blue, Cicely Tyson Sounder, Maggie Smith for Travels with My Aunt, and Liv Ullman for The Emig- Immigrants. So that was a powerhouse uh, i'm gonna I, I well those two films i don't remember and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna look at the others but uh but yeah, i, I want to write down that one i gotta write down that one movie that y'all told me about uh hey can somebody take this down what's the name of that movie that that uh that uh cabaret was made from guys? oh i am a camera I, I am a camera i am a camera let's watch that tonight i am a camera well movie. you may not you may have trouble finding it <laughs> it's, it's oh really a, yeah it's it's either a german movie or an english movie i can't remember which but uh, I don't think it rolls trippingly off the uh, uh, the assembly line at the screen. You never know. So. I am a camera. You never know. I'll give it a whirl. Lee, Lee probably has people who can go you know, into those deep dives, into those into those sites we don't talk about. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, I, I Yeah, Fosse. I have this weird thing with Fosse, and, and we've talked about the show, and it's like, oh. I'll, I'll, How do you I feel find, about Fosse? I, I find most of his movies don't reach me for some reason, and weirdly, um the, the one that i can i don't know if i connect to it, but the one that i like the most is star 80 which is the one nobody ever talks really? about which is really really dark which is, wow. which is should i watch really, it again or maybe i should i just no, don't remember i don't connect no, to that no, no i don't, don't connect there's it. nothing you you're it's not so gonna, depressing you're not it's gonna so see sad. yourself it's so depressing so you don't need yeah, it in it's so depressing <laughs> it's just, i don't know where it is it's he's so damn good and it is such a powerful indictment of a kind of mentality you know, um, it's, it's, uh, I just said, there's a great scene where just Eric Roberts says, things I love, girls and cars, cars and girls. And it's like, <laughs> what kind of man reads Playboy? And it's, you know, just. He could have uh, done the Fel Spector story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another, uh, I got another one that uh, I am, I really uh, am connecting to, I've connected to, I don't know why, but I, I do, is Harold and Maude. I just, I find it, uh, 
it, it, it stayed with me over the years. And, uh, and uh, there's something about her performance in particular and the writing that is just so uh, outrageous that, uh, and her acting, she was just, she was just a, she was a gangster. Yeah. A true, I mean, just like, you know, you can't, you're, you're what am I watching? What the hell am I watching? So I well, loved you, you her. You feel, and, you feel it. You know, it's like, you're not just watching this because, I, I, you know, it, it, it's easy to show me a movie where, you know, a good looking young man falls in love with like a, you know, stunningly beautiful actress. Yeah. Stuff. But but you feel their connection in that movie. You fall mm -hmm. in love with her. You're as devastated as he is when she does what she. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing film. It's an amazing film. And then my last movie uh, is, uh, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but I, I can't let it go. Is The Godfather? Oh, that's the one that about. Uh, it's got yeah, gangsters in it, right? Yeah, got gangsters. <laughs> in it. So I don't even. I'm embarrassed to say that because I'm sure you've heard that a million times. Do you ever get that Godfather? Oh, but uh, yeah, no. If you, how how do you not though? I mean, it's it's there. Yeah. Did did you see that? Was that a, a first run for you, like as a kid in a theater? Or? Uh, seventy no. what? Seventy two? I think. Yes. No, I think I saw that. I think I saw that on Showtime when it first. I think I saw it on Showtime. Uh, as a as a somewhere somewhere in college, I think. Had you uh, had somewhere. you seen Godfather two before that? I don't recall. I think I know I saw them in order, but I tell you this much: I have a twenty five year old son. My my uh, son, when he was one, not even one, I sat and watched Godfather with him. I don't even think maybe he, that was the first movie he saw. I I, I I was trying to put him to sleep, and I turned on the Godfather. And, uh, and I had held him in my arms. So he was not one, he was six months, about six months. And we watched that movie. I looked down and I couldn't believe, I was so into it that I, uh, <laughs> that I didn't pay attention to my son was quiet, he was crying. Movie, never cried the whole, watched the whole movie at six, seven months. He couldn't walk. But he was watching that movie. I can't believe that I'm even saying this story. I swear, we're going to get an email tomorrow going, hey, could you cut the bit about Mandingo? And definitely cut the bit about watching Godfather with a six-month-old. <laughs> the child service people will be there soon. <laughs> Am I in trouble? Oh, my God, guys. Is that a at bad thing? At six months, he can't absorb too much. Yeah, I think it's safe. No. I think of the stuff I got taken to when I was a, a bit older than that. And it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're doing fine. Um, but yeah, that's that's such a... I, it's funny. I... I um. I can't remember the first time I saw The Godfather. It just feels like, you know, part of the DNA now, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, um, why it's, it's so, uh, why do we like it so much? Yeah. Cause I, neither of us are Italian. It's for the same reason people like <laughs> Shakespeare. It's a great story, but it, it taps into these just, I mean, just, it, it, it's so sappy to say this, but it's about family, you know, and it really is about family and it's about what holds families together and what families will tolerate in each other and, and, uh, what, what can fracture them and, and how they can destroy you. And may, I mean, it's just, it's all there, you know? I mean, there's so many, there's so many kind of- It wasn't just about the, it wasn't just about the story though, it was about the storytelling. Yeah. yeah. The music, yeah. The, 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 oh. the score, the everything, the production design, the, just all everything. I wonder what that like, budget was and what's the equivalent to that budget. It was all hard fought for because he, it was not, they did not make it easy for him to make that picture. I mean, he was constantly- What do you think the budget the was? What was that budget today? Do you know anybody know what that budget exists? What was the budget then, and what does that mean today? I'm curious to find out what that what that is. It would be, um, it'd be a pretty hefty budget today. Yeah, yeah, I think it was probably wasn't it like like something you know ridiculous like you know eighteen million dollars. <laughs> your oh budget oh no oh my god I'm I'm off by a major factor. You're gonna lose your mind when I tell how you. much was it? Six million dollars. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Was it really? Yeah, which would be what three hundred million dollars in twenty twenty one money. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah. Something just came to mind too that I, I that, that uh, and then uh, I think this I, I, I'm on, I'm done I'm full um, is a pickup on South Street. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, Sam Fuller. Sam Fuller. That might be my favorite. Sam Fuller. Yeah. That that I think that that was a that affected me too when I saw that. Well, that's he's, a, he, he's a great director to learn from when you're starting out because he's so uh, specific in his choices and and he's he's the tabloid filmmaker you know because he was a newspaper man uh and and movies like this one which were you know made at the height of the cold war 
are uh, not just reflective of their times, but very critical of the times. Yeah. And, what does it say, guys? I mean, I'm, you, you do this often with filmmakers and people. What does it say about when you study the works that have affected somebody? What does it say about that somebody? I'm curious. I'm going to flip it on you now. It says they're an influence on you. I mean, it, it does depend, you know, it's like, it's, um, uh, there's, there's a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these films are about people kind of living outside the, the mainstream of society and making their own rules and, and in some cases, thumbing their noses at that society. I still think like, when my, I remember as a kid, just being amazed when I see it in uh, Pick Up on South Street when, um, because I'm used to movies from that era where everything's about like rah-rah America and we got to stop communism. It's that great scene where Richard Winmark says to the, is he an FBI guy, Joe? And he says, yeah. don't, don't wave your flag at me. And you're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's a thief. He's a sociopath, but you're still like, yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you have, uh, uh, you know, and um, uh, you, you've gotten to a place where I guess you have, I mean, look, we all have bosses, I guess. You have fewer bosses than a lot of people do right in your life in your work is it um is it uh, is it an authority thing is that what's i don't know yes i'm guessing <laughs> what do you mean i don't know what that means what well mean i mean all, all these films there's a sort of streak of like people sort of defying authority or standing against yeah them. i don't i mean look i don't I mean that's interesting uh but i don't you know in in none of my movies have been i've never had it had to they're all independent. Every film that I've produced or directed have been independent films that have, have not gone to studios to get financing from or haven't been interested in financing them. Right. So, I mean, I've gone out and sold them, but, um, you know, so I've been the boss. I don't, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, television, is, I've had to answer some bosses it's by committee, but they've, you know, they're pretty lenient on me. But uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a good therapy session, really, when you look and you under, you try to really, really, I'm, I'm fascinated by like, you know, these are the movies that make me tick. These are the movies that have me where I am right now. These are the movies that 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 uh, that sit in me. In the mood for love is 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 another oh. one that just sort of sits in me, as a as a, you know, visually as a as a, as as just uh, and even some of the, the acting too is uh, Wong Kar Wai was I think at his. It's, I'm left I'm left yeah. speechless. When I think yeah. of that work, I can actually I can see that straight line into your work. There's a there's a I don't know what a kind of ornateness, a, a romanticism, even when you're dealing with things that are very sort of tough. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, that's that's a beautiful film. I mean, that is just a stunning film. Was that your, the first time you'd seen his work? Oh my god, yeah. And then I remember meeting him once, and oh, wow. I it can, and it was like, whoa, man, he's just like he was on a can, he was on a panel. And they were asking him a question, and, and he had a cigarette, Tipperillo, and he was like, he just like answered, he answered the question, I can't even read it. And then he answered the question. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I bowed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, he's he's an amazing filmmaker. But um, no, I love that. I love that. Um, uh, you know, we're still waiting. I mean, that's the great thing about doing this. I keep waiting for someone to come on and just go. I don't know. Here's ten movies. But it, it it is a thing. It's like people get into the the process of thinking about, you know, what are those films that that made you? And it's really interesting to watch people kind of play with that and get excited again about movies they love that they haven't thought about in a while. And um, uh, and they don't and, have, and have to answer questions from junketeers. Yes, we like as, to think it's a nice break. Answer from those them. same questions over and over with. Yes. <laughs> let those answers come out by rote while you're thinking about your laundry. You know, because yeah. you've answered it so many times. Hilarious. But this yes. way, you get to actually talk about what's you know important. Yeah, yeah, and we still plug the film, so it's like it's a two. Yeah, it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy you guys liked it. And thank you so much for your compliments about it. That makes me feel really good because that was the one movie I haven't been able to test in my career. I've not been able to test the film. Oh, with an audience, like you know, ordinarily, it's. I mean, I can't. Even, I can't even. I hope it's good. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I love it. So, but it was. It's. It's hard to tell when you don't have, and I don't really pay attention to the critics. I pay attention to, I don't pay attention to the critics. I pay attention to my audience. And uh, so I know I speak to a specific audience. So I hope, I mean, and you guys are great. So I, I love that you said that. So that makes me feel good. And I just want to make sure that 
that the black people feel the same way that you guys feel. And, yes. uh, yeah, and then I've, I've yeah. checked, I've checked the boxes and I'm, I'm good to go. But that's, I love, I love that you say that because I know a lot of people are, um, and obviously testing is one thing, but, but, um, getting to see a film with an audience is, is amazing. You can, you know, I like, you know, this, that's the reason why we made the freaking movie, man. We're sitting down there. I'm ready to be in the center of, I'm no longer watching the film at that point. I'm yeah. taking notes on the film. They're about, there's at least, I got, I got, 15 screenings where I'm taking notes of the reactions with like when the beats are happening, when the laughs are happening, is this working? Is this not working? And I'm just like, my eyes are like around looking at somebody in the back, you know, I can feel it. And so this time they did it this time. They did it. Uh, I, they had a bunch of people on the screen. It was like on this screen, like we're looking at right now. And they are like 50 people or right. 40 people. And they were watching it smoking cigarettes, <laughs> picking their nose, <laughs> fucking eating pizza. Texting, I mean, were they texting? A lot of this texting, going on. <laughs> going at it. I mean, it was so horrifying oh, God. Yeah. that I closed my laptop. I said, I'm not going to do this again. I don't care. I don't care. And, uh, and so. It's not the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Showing the movie like this on, on, on and streaming, though, I'm really grateful is sort of not the way I anticipated it to be. And inevitably it's going to, I'm waiting for the, I'm really waiting for the, uh, the kick in the gut to happen where I'm realizing that, you know, I'm not going to see it. It's, it's a, it's a painful, it's a real painful thing, man. It's, it's a, it's a, I'm waiting for that to, that morning to happen. Cause it really is a, it's a, you know, when we take this seriously, as you all know, this is a serious, serious, your art and making sure that it's on the screen. Yeah. And to 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 see it, uh, you know, that way is not <clears throat> not good. I maybe I'll go to Spain or someplace like that where they got that. A couple of theaters in Spain, I think that's opening. And you can see it there. And we got to. Oh, maybe great. It, 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 it well, there's, some, uh, there's some theaters in New York opening uh, at twenty five percent capacity. Um, but I don't think that Hulu. I mean, we sold it to a streamer. Oh. So there's nothing. Maybe I can. Maybe no, there isn't. But well, in 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 domestic, no. But maybe I can. uh, Maybe there's a. Maybe there's somebody I can sell it to. It's an idea. Just just for because that is that is the thing is like when it's done and time has gone by and you know you're never going to be far enough away from it that you don't remember it. It's it's never going to you're never going to get to see the film for the very first time. But the first time I, I find when you sit with an audience after it's all done after all the sweat and everything. And the audience is liking it. That that is such an incredible feeling. And that's the reason why we do it. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that, that, that yeah, applause. It's, it's, that uh, applause. That applause cannot be duplicated. No matter, nowhere, no how. That feeling of uh, that quiet, you know, right before the applause, you know, where they just uh, <gasps> and I. They're processing. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, well, God. hopefully, hopefully this will be over soon, and we can actually go back yeah. to work. I know he started yeah, by man. bumming us out, then he we had a great conversation, <laughs> and now I'm bummed out again. It's um, it's a full circle. It is a full yeah, circle. Man. Thanks, Lee. Oh man, it's been great talking. <laughs> great to you, you so really much, man. Good. Yeah, really enjoy the show. All right, good luck with it, and thanks for joining us. Thank don't you. let your publicist yell one. at you. You were good. Yeah, <laughs> they may be calling y'all tomorrow. <laughs> by the way, I'm good with Caliglia. I actually texted Lee. I like to point that out. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. You're on the record now. We're keeping that. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Say, Joe, looks like we've got a few minutes. You want to check out the movies that made me mailbag? Gosh, that sounds like a wonderful idea, Josh. You've got mail. John Visconti writes, uh, Vincent Price is, of course, best known for his performances in horror films. What's your favorite non-horror performance by Price? Favorite non-horror performance? God, the guy did so much stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, he's, he's very good in Leave it to Heaven, but that's not a particularly large part. Very good in Laura. I was with Laura. Was um, the one I would. That's yeah. it, which is a bigger part, I think. Um, and, and he did, and, you know, he did a bunch of stuff when he was under contract at Fox. Uh, Dragon Wick, uh, which was Joe Mankiewicz's first picture. Um, uh, the Baron of Arizona, 
which is a oh, Sam sure. Fuller, early Sam Fuller picture. Sure, sure, sure. Um, he was uh, he was a very very versatile actor. Yeah, no, he's fun. I wanted, you know what? Uh, what's what's um, oh, God damn it, Robert Mitchum should prep for these. Oh uh, gosh, that they, his kind of woman, his kind of woman, which is yeah, maybe the quintessential Vincent Price performance because yeah. he's not only is he playing a version of himself, but uh, he was on the picture for a year. Because <laughs> Howard Hughes kept deciding it wasn't finished and kept you know adding adding directors and rewriting stuff and, and rewriting stuff plots. and he liked he liked Price's performance and he said well let's do more of that and so he added all this stuff to the movie so that it, it, it intercuts now between you know Robert Mitchum being tortured right and Vincent Price doing slapstick yes <laughs> quite a movie it's a bonkers film I love it <laughs> I love it so much uh daniel scalf uh this is a joke question is the unfinished unedited footage from explorers still in existence i already pre-ordered the shout select blu-ray by the way well you're in luck then because uh some of that material is actually going to be on the shot disc uh we had there was a, a lot of stuff that didn't get into the movie because we didn't get to finish it uh but uh it turns out that uh, I did find some in my garage, which is where all oh, wow. movies go to die. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a, a, a bunch of that stuff is going to be on uh, the shot disc as extras. Oh, okay. And then somebody asked, uh, I just saw in passing that, uh, do you have a commentary on that? I think I talk a little bit during the outtakes, but I don't think there's no commentary for the movie. Uh, that'll be on the next one. However, there's documentaries and stuff. I mean, it's it's a big it's a big package of stuff. I mean, yeah, there's a whole fully, whole bunch yes. of new documentaries and things. And and again, not to be uh, not not to be puckish, but uh, uh, once you mention it, 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 the least favorite poster of all of your films is that correct? Well, it's the one that most <laughs> looks like tar paper. <laughs> <laughs> but in the Interspace poster is a, a close second. Ah. <laughs> That stuff matters. Um, let's see. Uh, here we go. The Pope of Video Village uh, says, I've always admired his style. I, this is a great question because I've, I've wanted to ask you this as well. I've always appreciated Joe's style and wondered how did he end up committing to the vest and waistcoat? How did he end up committing to the vest and waistcoat? Yeah, you're, you're, a, you're a vest guy. Uh, I do have a bunch of vests. Um, and I think it was because when I was a kid, I used to see so many Westerns where people were wearing vests. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of, but it's a it's a it's a fairly utilitarian piece of apparel because it doesn't have sleeves. So you know it's it still keeps you kind of warm, and you still got room to you know get your vaccine shots. Uh, and so pockets, it's, it's really they perfect. often have pockets in them. <laughs> yeah. uh, Damon Gay, here's one for Josh. Uh, at one point, you mentioned working on a Travis McGee screenplay. Is there anywhere all of uh, John D. McDonald, Josh Olson fans can track this thing down? Uh, no, because either um, uh, you misheard or I was drunk and lying. Um, I always wanted to write a Travis McGee script. Um, several years back, I got approached by Paramount to do Jack Reacher, which I ended up writing. And my, my take was because uh, uh, the Travis McGee project is seemed to be perpetually in limbo and I'd never get my hands on it, I tried to turn Jack Reacher into um, Travis McGee. So that was, that was kind of as close as I came in. I don't know, that script's out there somewhere. Um, it ended up just through no, uh, eventually um, Tom Cruise decided he wanted to play the part and uh, wanted his writer, Chris McQuarrie, to, to do it. So uh, my thing languishes somewhere, but um, uh, very proud of it. Yeah, and it was my attempt to kind of merge Travis McGee with Jack Reacher, which <laughs> may be a problem for some. Um, oh, here's one for both of us, Eric Holmes. Uh, what's a movie you would like to remake? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not in general a fan of remakes, although some of my favorite movies are actually movies that were remakes of other movies. Um, at the, uh, John Sales has a script for them, a remake of them, uh, oh. called Them Again, them again. <laughs> which is, uh, which is a, a terrific script and is languishing at Warner Brothers at the moment. Uh, and who knows, maybe that might happen. Oh, has that been around for a while or is it recent? He wrote, it, he wrote it on spec a while ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love that. Uh, but that's, that's a sequel. No, no. It's, it's a, a remake. It's a remake. But it's okay. That's amazing. 
Uh, my mind. It's actually weird. not just a remake. It's a, it's a, it's it's based on the original unused script that oh, was okay. then re uh, rewritten uh, for the movie, which I. I, I love the movie, but yeah. uh, this is this takes this has a Native American slant, and it's much um, uh, it, it, it's similar to the movie that got made, but it's uh, it, it has a lot of interesting state. They had things in it that just couldn't be done technically then, right. uh, and so we could do that now. Yeah, oh, that'd be fantastic. Um, would you? Would you? You need to do it in time that you can get Clint Eastwood to reprise his role. Mm. Clint isn't in that one. Which one is he in? in them is the he's giant in, ants. He's in Revenge of the Creature and he's in Tarantula, but he's not. Is it in tarant- it's not in them. I thought it was them. No, no. he's the he's the pilot who drops the bomb on the yeah, on the, not on the, on the, on the giant, giant spider. On the no, giant spider. Giant. They don't drop bombs. On How can I possibly have confused those two? And they're they're nothing alike. <sighs> you <so>. just <laughs> etym- etymologically, you're a mess. I, I guess I am. I, we we just watched uh, Coogan's Bluff um, the other night, the first time I hadn't seen it in decades, and. I forget. It's got that postmodern moment. Do you remember when uh, Clint goes into that um, swinging hippie club, and you know they're flashing all the sort of LSD lights in the wall while they're playing, you know, whoever it is, Strawberry Alarm Clock, and there's shots of uh, it's it's from yeah, correct the the giant tarantula movie, but it's him uh, as a pilot. You don't know it's him unless you know it's him flashing on the wall as he walks by it. So it's an in joke. It's an in joke. Yes, very, very <laughs> early postmodern in joke in a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, my, mine lately I'm obsessed with, and I think I have to wait a while because it was remade, I guess not entirely six. I have not seen the film. I guess it didn't do well, but, um, uh, going in style, I, I have an angle that I'm not going to share with the world that I would love to do. And it was one of those things just when I heard they were remade going in style, the way they were, I just, my brain went, Oh no, that's not the way to do it. This is the way to do it. And, and now I just have to wait. <laughs> for more more people to get really more, old more time to go by more time to go by you, you can't remake a movie that got remade a couple years ago you have to no that's true um, uh you can but, change the title though then you can i suppose they do it with spider-man all the time uh, well no they don't even change the title it's just it's 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 uh i don't know about you i i need to see spider-man's uh, origin about four more times before i'm ready to let that story go um, yeah before you believe it <laughs> Uh, um, oh, here's a here's a sort of existential one from Sebastian Castellanos. Do you think what's happening in the world with politics, environment, and society that my generation, I'm 20, would lead to another film movement similar to the new Hollywood movement with more ambitious, experimental, and overtly political themes? Well, uh, pre-COVID, I would probably have one answer. Uh, but now that it's post-COVID or during COVID, Hopefully, post COVID soon. Speak for yourself. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm still in COVID. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think any of the old rules are going to apply anymore. Um, yeah. And as far as new movements go, uh, I think it, it it's certainly going to be uh, a difficult road to hoe for the big studio movies. You know, because they're all they're doing is remaking the same movie over and over. Uh, and so it, the, the, if there's a future in film, it's going to have to be with independence. And it's going to, I think it's tragically not going to be on big theater screens. I think it's going to be in streaming. Yeah, that, that, yes, I think you're right there. I don't think theaters will die. I think um, one of the just hard they'll be, they'll things. be playing event, the new Avengers movies, you know, they'll be playing the new Spider Man, yeah, yeah. playing, you know, that kind but, of but stuff. But the fact that the fact that drive ins have come back and that people are doing their own drive ins, little pop ups all over the country, speaks to a kind of need I think people have to um, to see things together that, that mm-hmm. um, will always be there. But yeah, I, I think it's already started to happen too. I mean, um, I, I was just knocked out. I've been spending months sort of anxiously awaiting uh, to see Judas and the Black Messiah, assuming that it would do what Hollywood always does and just completely watered down, you know, Fred Hampton's fairly radical politics. And it really doesn't. Um, it doesn't do any of the things that you're used to doing. And that, that kind of spoil. And that's a studio film. Um, and that spoke to uh, something happening, younger filmmakers kind of pushing the boundaries of that stuff. But I think you're right. And also, um, because they aren't learning the way we did, people are learning how to make movies now from YouTube and using their phones and TikTok and doing all these kind of radical new approaches to it that, um, it, it's bound to have an impact on the narrative as well, I would think. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I, I believe the children of the future, Joe. That's what I believe. You believe in the children of the future? I, I believe, believe the children be. are the future. I'm, I'm, that's a, it's a, it's a 
Whitney Houston song. Um, not, not a particularly profound <laughs> thing. Well, they don't really have much choice, do they? It's sort of uh, just the nature of time. Um, Megan Oswald, uh, I'm a big fan of some Herzog movies, especially Strasek, Fitzcarraldo, Land of Silence and Darkness, but it seems like his films don't come up that often on your show. Well, I haven't heard every episode. Well, why are you wasting time writing to us if you haven't listened to every episode? I think you should get more. <laughs> um, I do recall Bill Hader and maybe Sandy Tan mentions, are you guys Herzog fans? Theories as to why he maybe doesn't resonate as much with your guests. And have you had any personal and professional experiences with him? Uh, I haven't, but uh, I think that the movies are not uh, in the zeitgeist at the moment. But he is, funnily enough. And I think what's interesting, he is a documentary filmmaker, sort of more. Oh, much zeitgeist. more so lately. I mean, his yeah. 3D cave painting uh, movie, you know, was. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, man. An, he's an iconoclast. So, I mean, yeah. he's always going to be doing unusual, unexpected stuff. And he's also a good actor. Yeah. Uh, so he's been appearing in places that you certainly wouldn't expect that he would be appearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 true. He's um yeah, I'm I'm a giant fan. Uh I, I came to him through um Aguirre and uh, and then Fitzcarraldo and um sort of have loved so many of his documentaries. Um My I, Best I, Fiend. My my best fiend is a blast, yeah. Good God. Um of course I'm bad lieutenant, uh his his version. It's not his version, it's a completely different film that they slapped that title on for inane marketing reasons. Um I think it's possibly the greatest use of uh, Nicolas Cage ever. Um, uh, no offense to my beloved Mandy. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, but I've, I've gotten to spend a little time with him in the past. He was um, his producer on Grizzly Man and several of his documentaries, a guy named Eric Nelson, uh, who directed a documentary about my friend Harlan Ellison that I'm in. And I got to know Eric and we would screen the film. I remember doing a screening of it in a Q&A with Harlan at the WGA. And um, uh, Harlan was easily one of the funniest people you've ever met and i will never forget it was the strangest it was just a surreal moment of we're sitting up on stage and he's doing his thing and people are howling with laughter i look down third row center and there's Werner herzog laughing so hard there are tears coming out of his eyes <laughs> which is just not something you think about Werner herzog doing <laughs> um but uh, and I, I got to do a q a with him a while back uh, eric made a movie called the gray state which is an amazing movie kind of um you know, if you're fascinated by the kind of QAnon world we live in, it's uh, a bit of a kind of precursor of that based on a true story, a murder, a story about a guy who um, is making a crazy right wing movie and then ends up murdering his wife and kid and killing himself. Um, but uh, Herzog produced it and um, I got to do a Q&A with him and Eric a while back. And I'm, I'm not often starstruck, uh, but it's just being in a room with someone like Herzog is just it, it, it is kind of otherworldly. Um, so I'm, I remain a fan and I've tried through my, my one connection. We've been trying, I want him on this show so badly. He's apparently a huge Fred Astaire fan. And I think nothing says the movies that made me more than Werner Herzog talking about Fred Astaire movies for an hour. That would be, <laughs> so I'm putting this out of the world. If anybody else has a way to pressure him, that would be great. Um, let's see, here we go. One, one more. Um, uh, Bruce Perky writes, if there was only one piece of movie, movie memorabilia you could own that you don't actually own now, what would it be and why? Joe, Joe's got. I don't have a lot of movie, movie memorabilia. I have some. No, but you have the greatest piece of movie. Well, I have a rosebud. You've got a rosebud. I, I I've got walking. a rosebud that they didn't burn uh, <laughs> because Paramount, uh, I was at Paramount making a picture and uh, one side of Paramount used to be RKO, and the, and uh, there was a lot of stuff underground that the uh, the powers that be had decided that they didn't want anymore. So the dumpsters were like filled with antiques and lamps and all this cool shit uh, that they were just dumping. And so one of the guys who was working on my movie came up and said, "Well, I was gonna we're gonna throw this out. Do you think you might want it?" And it was a rosebud sled, and it was made of balsa wood because they were that's, those are the ones that they burned. Uh, and I said, "Well." Yeah, I guess I could take it off your hands. Um, and so I, you know, I have a, I have a rosebud sled. Uh, and now my friend Steven Spielberg uh, paid, I believe, $50,000 for his rosebud sled, which I will admit, <laughs> which I will admit is in much better condition than mine. Um, but uh, and I'm not, but there's lots of there's lots of schools of thought about which rosebud sleds are real and which ones are, are, are manufactured and oh. sort of fake. 
there's a whole um, underground theory about people who <laughs> counterfeit rosebud sleds. I don't know who these people are or how they do it or if they but do it. But, but yours that, had to be but for, mine for them real. to do that and bring it to the studio and dump yeah, no, it no, somewhere. No, so I'm, they... <laughs> I'm pretty convinced that it was real. Wow. Uh, so I, I guess uh, according to uh, Josh's lights, if if I have that, I don't need anything else. Well, I was just saying, well, ask <laughs> ask me, Joe, if there was a piece of movie memorabilia I could have, what would it be? Well, well, that's a good question. What what would it be? It, it would be uh, Joe Dante's rosebud. You want me to put it on my will? <laughs> yes, please. That would be wonderful. <laughs> but uh, no, no rush on that. No rush on that. But I'm saying it on the record now so that you'll know that if uh, it's the kind of thing where you have to get out there, because if it does disappear someday, it <laughs> well, couldn't possibly, it wouldn't be me because I've said on the record that uh, anyway. Uh, well, thank you for those. And uh, we will be back next week um, with more movies that maybe be sure to like us, uh, subscribe to us, comment. Uh, is there something, what are they supposed to do? I don't know, Joe. And go to Trailers from Hell. Tell their friends. Tell your friends and, and go to trailersfromhell.com. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of trailersfromhell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.